Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on the podcast, I'm very lucky, honored, delighted to have uh, Joe uh, Vandercart on the podcast. Ah, he is an ex-Apple employee, a veteran, an author of Actually Anxiously Fearless, which is expected out in May. And yeah. He has many other monikers as well. But how are you today, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Oh, I am good. You know what? I have to say, you are my first podcast of 2023. So, yes. yes. First one through the door. Here we go. <laughs> oh, yes. And I'm looking forward to this. Like, yeah, I have to ask, Joe. Now, like, okay, let's just say... You have had high skill sets for quite a, a number of your like jobs, but you you started as a humble noodle guy. How did you get from humble noodle guy <laughs> to like U.S. like intelligence officer to ex Apple employee? And I don't think uh, an Apple store either. Mm. No, no, working working out in Cupertino. Yeah, no, it's been a crazy journey. Um, I would actually say it started before that. It started at McDonald's and uh, working as a, a cashier at McDonald's and then managing a noodles restaurant and joining the Navy and getting to Apple. It's been a wild ride and there's no secret formula. It was taking risks, I think. <laughs> just taking just risks. Taking risks. <laughs> okay, like this is a thing. One of the things I like, uh, okay, no, don't get me wrong. Like everyone's got to do a job when they're coming up through like, yeah, college, yep. university and everything like this. But so what made you do the jump from, say, noodles yeah. to the U.S. Navy? Uh, so I, that was uh, the, the you hear a lot that the people you surround yourself with are going to influence your life. And it was at a time in my life I was graduating from Michigan State University. It was in the height of the 08 recession jobs were very scarce um and so i had a i had to work as you said and so i had the opportunity to, to be a manager at a noodles restaurant um so i took it so i could continue paying my rent and about a year in i remember having a, a mini breakdown in like a laundromat with one of my friends uh who was a marine and he kind of turned me around to the military and was like you should explore this and it was something i never thought i could do um but he said absolutely and gave me the confidence to explore it and that's how that transition started. Yeah. So talking to a Marie, <laughs> into a, the Navy. Yes. Yeah. It's like, so you got to know yourself. And I knew I was not a Marine. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my dad, my dad was a Marine. I know how hardcore they are. They, they are, you know, really, really, really hardcore. And so I knew I was not cut out for the Marines. <laughs> uh, the, the, did your dad look like you, you spat? on his favorite football team when you went, I'm joining the Navy. Right? Yeah, he was, he was confused. At first he was like, why? And why? <laughs> I think that's the question I got. He was like, no. Yeah. Oh, it's like, okay. Like, but did you decide from the get-go to be like an intelligence officer or did they just simply look at your sort of paperwork and went, you know what? Why don't you play? Why don't you come over this way? Like, yeah. No, yeah. 
That one was that was interesting. So actually, the, I settled not settled. I I chose the Navy because I talked to all four. So in the in the U.S., you know, we have the Army, the Marines, the Navy, and the Air Force. And so I did my due diligence and I talked to each one and um and I just found that the Navy fit my timeline and my skill set and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they actually asked me if I wanted to be a, a pilot um, because apparently everybody wants to be a pilot. And again, I said no. <laughs> I was like, you mean landing? You're landing planes on boats and they're like yeah and i was like absolutely not uh that's not my not my skill set um and so i really like people i really like like uh you know investigating and finding out kind of like how to put different pieces of information together and that's when intelligence rose to the top for me ah, I, yeah i am curious like okay what did you have as an idea of what the navy would be compared to what reality would be because you have an idea of the armed forces already yeah. had and from your friend but that's coming from like okay like from like yeah sacrifice marine corps you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah navy come on <laughs> yeah so i imagined um that it would be way more organized <laughs> than it actually ended up being like you always think you hear military precision right things are done with military precision and yeah. and stuff like that um it's it's a lot more chaotic than you expect it's one of those things that once i joined and got to peek behind the curtain i was like oh this is a lot different than i expected <laughs> oh my lord oh my lord so yeah you're like an oh my god the chaos the madness like- yeah and it was operating in that chaos and madness that I think that is the the military precision that they talk about. It's like even when things are not going to plan or there's threats or there's, you know, broken equipment and stuff like that. It's, it's being able to complete the mission. That's the that's the precision I think that they offer. Not the precision I had in mind when I joined. I thought it was like, oh, every day will be the same and you do things in a certain way and you execute. And that's not how life was. <laughs> Come on now, you're doing like you're you're an intelligence officer. Come on, well, yeah. <laughs> like if every day was the same, I like I'm dead. God, <laughs> like I'm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So, yeah. With this, like, okay, how long were you in the military for? Was it like, yeah, about five years? Yeah, five years. Yeah. And with that sort of five years, like if you had to sit down, um, okay, look, uh, that stupid teenager who signed up uh, compared to yep. like, army <laughs> get what came out, like what would you say was the sort of biggest takeaway you got from there? Going back to what I said, operating in chaos. So it was, it was instead of thinking that things are going to smoke smoothly and that you needed um, to have 100% of your ducks in a row before you act. The biggest thing I've probably taken away is that 80% if you have an 80% solution to something, you should probably get moving on it because that's enough to learn and iterate and change. Um, so don't get stuck waiting for everything to be perfect. Like get moving. I like that. I like that. Yes. Because I think like I've said it before and I'll say it again, people just get too caught up sometimes with the realm of perfection. You've got to, yeah. everything's got to be lined up in a perfect way so I can get things styling get things going and unfortunately for these people perfection is the biggest illusion uh yeah ever like predicated on us all it's like yeah there you go yeah yeah it, it just doesn't exist and I think we have this this miss this we have this 
misbelief that people notice everything, right? And then that they notice everything that we notice. And so we we think like, oh, because we know our flaws that other somebody else obviously notices them too. And it's just not the case. People don't have the capacity for that, right? And so I think when we get hung up on perfection, that's what we we're getting hung up on stuff that doesn't have benefit to us to begin with. Absolutely. Or they notice, but they don't really care if you right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like kind of a weird, like, it's a weird thing what goes on there, you know? Yeah, on a small level, it's like you go to a party and you're like, oh, somebody's going to make fun of me for my shoes. And it's like, nobody's looking down at your shoes. And if they did, they're too worried about their own mindset to like, yeah, no concern. They've got some inherent flaws in themselves, which they're trying to deflect from. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So pointing at your feet going what are those no exactly <laughs> yeah now every time i go into a party somebody's like what shoes are you wearing like, like, trust me if i was in your company i would not mock your shoes <laughs> i almost already mocked myself who knows who knows <laughs> it's like yeah um, so with this now with the how can i say controlled chaos of the military how did that compare to the corporate world, corporatino, like Apple, like the big Apple? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Say the gigantic Apple. The amount of money what goes through that place, so no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was completely. I mean, it was, it was a one eighty, right? Just the uh, the biggest thing I learned there is that culture doesn't stop at borders, right? There's different cultures in any organization you're in. If you get more than three people together, it seems like they're gonna form a culture. And so going from a military culture where things were a little bit more regimented, even if they were chaos, Apple was the wild west. Like you could, you really brought your whole self to it because um, there was problems of different complexities and people just operated differently. Um, and so we're in the Navy, you always operate as a unit, right? So you were always with your command, with your ship. Um, it was stuff like that. At Apple, it was maybe you and your team. But other than that, it wasn't, there wasn't that cohesiveness. Did you kind of miss sort of the camaraderie of what the Navy sort of provided compared to, okay, you say a team in Apple, but you know how, like a team is different to like, sort of like, yeah. A yeah. sort of real mission, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I was probably the biggest thing I missed as soon as I left the Navy was that feeling because in the Navy, everything you wear is part of your identity. You're right. You wear a uniform. Everybody wears the same uniform. You're you're working towards the same mission. You live in the same geographical area, um, and you're all screwed if things go wrong. Right? Where in the corporate world, that's very different, um, and it's not unique to Apple. It's it's very much like you can be out for yourself, and you can you know, one team of a company can kind of throw another team under the bus as long as it makes them look a little better. And that all is very, was very different. Mm. A little more, a little more lonely, a little more lonely. Like, Yeah, because the reason why I asked this is one of those things where, okay, any, like most people who do service, like do a service, like they're in the military, in the police, like in the fire brigade, whatever sort of service it is. And they sort of, come out of that world sometimes that sort of going from like service to civvy street is mm -hmm. very hard and being able to sort of like have that focus and be able to like get that sort of self-development down to get onto that next level is a very hard transition uh, for many a person 
uh, which has done what you've done, you know? Yeah, yeah. The biggest, I, I would flip that a little bit too, that sometimes in the military, or at least my experience in this was um, the self-development lacked a little bit because you were part of a unit, right? Because you're always thinking about the whole. Um, and so one that that motivated me out of the Navy was was that very thing where it was hard to to do the self reflection, the self awareness, the self development because you were you were giving so much. Um, but the, there's always a negative side to that, right? And, and once you leave, you kind of lose that support network, and now you kind of lose that, um, yeah, just the built in camaraderie that was there. Mm, because like this is the thing, I think a number of people uh, currently out like out in the world, like not mm. just like doing the service and everything like this they sometimes miss that period of time where they can do self-development or look to do self-development because it's easy to invest in time and money, energy, whatever, into something else. But when it comes to themselves, mm. they desperately fall short. Uh, yeah, like you help people with that type of thing, don't you? That is, yeah, that is my, my now, that is my focus now. I, it took me a long time to come around in my own life to the self-awareness, self-development, mm -hmm. um, and to understand just how much energy I was wasting not doing that, right? It, 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 a lot of us get raised with the idea of like, oh, spending time for yourself or spending time on yourself is selfish. And so we push it to the back burner, we push it to the back burner. And when that happened, that's what I did for years. And it wasn't until I left Apple that I realized like, no, the, the ticket is, we have everything we need, right? We need to develop that. Yeah. No, but this is the thing. Like, as you say, people push things to the back burner. But the whole thing is when you start doing that, you can't, how can I put it? You're the constant in your life. And yes. you're the only. Yeah. And if you're not really taking care of that constant, like, yes, either constant negative things will happen or constant positive things will happen randomly life will come and play its game and throw its curveballs your way like uh but if you're not putting that time investment in yourself to sort of grow develop and build i think like it's i think people a lot of people are lost because they're not doing that currently 100 percent. and i think this is the paradox of life um one of them, I think life is full of paradoxes, but the idea that, you know, I will, I have people tell me all the time, well, I don't have time to journal or self-reflect because I need to do this project for work. Because if I do this project for work, I might get promoted. Right. And it's a very short-sighted, like, yes, there is a, an immediate reward, but that's not sustainable over time. Whereas if you develop yourself to be nimble and you, you learn what your triggers are, you learn what your strengths are and stuff like that, then you can over time make more progress i think and so the paradox is by investing in yourself you can actually handle new situations better mm. over time and so it's playing the long game in my mind rather than just tackling the thing that's right in front of you like the long game and uh, like with regards to sort of getting the long game like getting involved in long game how would you say someone can start down that path yeah i think it's um my my theory is the entire thing is self-awareness, right? So when we, you like you said earlier, our only constant is ourselves. So think about where you were 10 years ago. Think about where you were 15 years ago and think about the most stressful times in your life and the things that you thought about might not have been the most effective, right? Because maybe you weren't tuned into your true core values or your true desires 
Mm. Um, that was definitely the situation for me. I was in survival mode most of my life, right? I started out like at 17 um, on my own, kicked out of the house and I had to figure out a way forward. Um, and so I was making decisions not based on maybe my greatest strengths and stuff like that, but on, on surviving. And many of us who have been in that situation don't really ever let go of that. Um, and so I think starting with the self-awareness and understanding how our minds are operating, what scripts we're running, that is where to start. Mm. Uh, yeah, when you say survival mode, survival mode, I think people don't realize when you're in survival mode, there is, how can I say, it? you can't really have, like, there is no sort of outlook for the future. There is no sort no. of, like, thinking, like, two years, three years, a decade, or what that, like, bright future could possibly be. It's just about the here and now, and how can I get through that next day or the next hour or so? Uh, yep. Which, quite fatiguing you know it's exhausting and then you think and then i think we have this idea that once we're out of survival mode right so the famine is over we we have enough to eat we know where our next paycheck is coming from that we're going to stop thinking in those ways and our brain doesn't do that so our brain is a predictive machine right and and i don't like to use the word machine but it's the closest analogy we have but it basically future based on inputs from the past right so if all we know is survival and all we know is is how to think in these short-term sprints and not long-term gains that doesn't just go away as soon as we have enough um and so i help a lot of people like me who have come from the scarcity background and once they're out of it maybe they're in a place of abundance they're still thinking in these exhaustive ways and then their anxieties are speaking and they're just because they haven't taken the time maybe to get to know their triggers or how their mind is operating, they don't recognize it as maladaptive, right? They think, no, 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 this is just, you know, I'm thinking on my feet, I'm thinking quick. And it's it's not the way it is. Mm, no, I think sometimes it's a bit like <laughs> a, a old wound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You get wound, depending on how deep that wound goes, it takes, that's how long it might seem like it's healed but yes on the cold days you still feel the ache if you get what i mean uh yeah yeah and the other thing that i think about too is we all have oh i say this maybe maybe people don't um i've talked to other people though that have inner voices right i don't know if you have an inner monologue i think some people may be seeing pictures and stuff like that but i have a an inner yeah i have an inner monologue that runs a lot of the time um and usually that's where my anxiety is, right? And it'll come up and it'll be like, oh, you shouldn't try to do that because if you fail, then, you know, people are going to never give you anything again. Mm. Um, <laughs> understanding that our inner monologue isn't really our own. It's it, it's developed over time and it's been developed since we were children um, and we can influence it. But like, it's again, it's our brain telling us a narrative. And it's I think once we understand where that narrative comes from, that's when we can start to move on in a more healthy and, you know, beneficial direction in our life. That's what I've been exploring in the book, um, that concept. Yeah. No, I think there is many a, a little voice what goes off in our head. <laughs> like you like basically that negative son of a bitch what lives there. <laughs> basis, like telling you like there all kinds of horrid things if you let, ever spoke them out into the world. Could you, yeah, could you imagine if you spoke to me the way that your voice speaks to you, oh. I would end this call and be like, never talk oh. to this person again. And you never, you never would, right? You just never would speak this way. And yet here we are. Um, one of my chapters focuses on the words that we use with ourselves mm. and, and how limiting we are in the way that we think. And it could be something as simple as like, oh, I have to do something, right? I have to do this podcast. And it's like, 
maybe you have to, maybe somebody told you that you absolutely must. But when you think about those limiting ways, you like limit creativity. Instead of this being an opportunity to connect with you and to connect with your audience, I'm seeing it as like, oh, something I just have to check off. Simply switching the words of like, oh, I get to do this podcast. It's like, now I can start thinking about different things that this podcast brings to me and I can bring to it, right? So just changing those little words in the way we speak to ourselves. And then that's not even considering the nasty things we say to ourselves. Like, oh, you are too lazy to do that. Or you are so stupid. Nobody's going to want to hear what you have to say. Right? Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> I don't see, uh, If that's the way your inner voice is talking to you, that you've got a very polite inner voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, exactly. That is true. That is true. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because you've got that going on. And then like you've got the voice which wants to keep you safe which wants to yeah. keep you out of harm's way. Not not as militant, but it's like, I'm, yeah, you go, oh, yeah, you heard what that, yeah, you heard what that son of a bitch said? Yeah, but you know what? A point, do that, you get hurt. Let's yeah. Stay, let's stay safe. And it's one of those things, people often listen to that voice too much because very much there is no, like, people desire growth. People want desire change. People want to do grand things at least they say they do but when yeah. like those two voices come into play it's like okay right people stay where they are people stop yeah don't go forward but there is the third voice which and like people are like i've got more voices okay see a shrink <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there is the third voice the cheerleader which is like yeah yeah when you like when you need to get up when you need to do that they're there to support like guide you through it but they need you to have that spark that initial get up and go because they've got to work against yeah two big voices uh which are one trying to keep yourself safe and the other one which is not your friend. just credit yeah just yeah. absolutely asinine yeah no the the way that you're putting it is is a great way of thinking about it i titled the book anxiously fearless because i think people anxiety is a common thing it's getting worse in our societies right like with all of our distractions and and pressures but you still have to take the step forward right you still want to move forward you still want to grow and so you need to be fearless to do that and so i don't think you need to get rid of anxiety i think sometimes we get really focused on that that it's like oh well, once I take care of my anxiety, then I can go work harder or go build my own business or go write a book. And it's like, no, it doesn't quite work that way. I mean, like you can work in tandem. And the second part of the book is retraining your inner voice to go from being an asshole to an ally. So taking that negative inner voice that some of us let, you know, reign supreme in our head and retraining it and being like, wait, 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 that's not productive for me. Like, I think, you know, yeah, oh, gosh, I was raised to be like, you should be your harshest critic. That's the best way to go forward. Because if you're your harshest critic, then nobody else can tell you shit. But what happens when you do that is you actually shut yourself off to a lot of new experiences and other people's perspectives, right? And so you can get lost in that. And so I think a better way to do that is like, be curious about your behavior. Why am I doing something a certain way? What is causing me to be anxious? Or, you know, what brings me joy and why? And then retrain that inner voice to actually be your ally, like seek out the things that help you grow, seek out the things that are better for you. And I think what you'll find is you'll start to shed a lot of those behaviors that aren't benefiting you. Right. And that's where I think 
the joy comes in is once you can get rid of that inner critic retrained, the growth can start. Change is still hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's never, it's never easy. <laughs> it's simple. It's, it's coming back day after day and doing the hard stuff. Right. But it's, it's just not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, no, this is true. Like pain isn't like, well, change isn't. Yeah. The, and like the whole thing is people, like, one of the things, and like this is the reason why I'm glad I had got you on around about this time of year. I wonder what's been said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, I want to make a resolution to do X, yeah. Y, Z. It's like, um, mm, you've just made a list of all the things you want to just say uh, no to. <laughs> in the yeah, moment. yeah. Uh, but and- like, I was like, no, was, go ahead. Sorry. No worries. No, I was going to say, People, I think many a person in this day and age don't actually understand the true price or they haven't worked yep. some like weighed up the cost of what that change mm. could be. Like they everyone sees the positive upside, but the negative downside, uh, which also has to be paid. Like it's going to move you mm-hmm. in a positive direction, but there is a the positive and a negative, which have to both be paid. And it's just a case of you've got to be willing to pay that price to make it happen. If you don't, it never will. And you'll still be the same, you know? Yeah, you'll still be the same. And and there's also the idea, if, if, do you, if you don't understand where your desires came from in the first place, right? So if you come up with a resolution and it's to exercise more because you want six pack abs, right? That's a very common one you always hear. Um, that's great. Where did that idea come from? Were you sitting on the couch and you're like, oh, the only reason I'm not happy right now is because I don't have six pack abs? Or did you see an advertisement that six pack abs will make you happy, right? If you're not tying your resolutions or your goals, let's let's use a better term here. You know, a goal is something that you want to achieve that's going to take effort. So, um, you know, finishing a bag of chips is not really a goal because that's not something that you're going to have to like you know, go out of your way to do. You can just oh, do it. You joke. can just do it. <laughs> Depending where you are and what time of life. <laughs> you're just going to do it, right? So that's not a goal. That's something that you're just going to accomplish. A goal would be like exercising is a goal because a lot of us have to go out of our way to do it. We have to change a lifestyle. We have to stop drinking so much the night before so that we're not hungover so that we can get to the gym, right? So there's a lot. A goal is not just a desired outcome. It's something that you're going to have to work towards. And if you're not aligning that effort, like you said, the cost, if you're not aligning that to something that is intrinsically motivating to you, so not for outside recognition, but for inside recognition, you're going to burn out. And then you're just more frustrated. And then you're just given that critical inner voice a lot more firepower to be like, well, you tried to get better last year, remember, but you were just kind of fat and lazy. Mm. And then you're not, you know, maybe... This year's resolution, you are more tuned in. You're like, I want to start making more income on the side. So I have more autonomy. Well, instead of, you know, if that aligns to your cores and your values, you need to start ignoring that inner voice. That was like, well, yeah, but remember when you tried to get skinny and you didn't? And like, why do you think you can do this now? Right. So it's like understanding that when you align your goals to your your core values, you're going to go so much further. But you need to do the work to understand what your core values are. And that's the self-aware. That's the self-awareness point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, like this is a thing. One of, like, I would say most people in this world kind of know themselves about 30, 
possibly 40 percent if they really know themselves well uh anyone who like knows that like oh i know 100 percent of myself all i've got to say is wary of those people because they've done mm. like some great things and dark things all at the same time so yes. <laughs> yeah so, yeah but i just think there is not well not enough time in it well there is enough time for people to do the investment in themselves to find out more for, about themselves but they don't people don't seem to be doing it and it seems to be getting a lot worse if you go around. yeah there's there's two things so there's actually been research done and i um sorry that i don't have it on the top of my hands i can send you the citation that yeah. this um research was done that basically they asked people how well do you think you know yourself and i think 85 percent of respondents said very well or something like that or it um they were like yep i we know ourselves very well and then when they actually did the research and what they ended up doing was they ended up looking at self-assessments and then they asked like three of their closest friends the same questions about this person come to find out it was like 15 percent of people knew themselves like the had scored high on this and so it's like at least 60 percent of people are lying to themselves right and, and my numbers might be off but the idea was that the majority of people who thought they were very self-aware actually just did not have the awareness that they think they did. And so it's it's a pervasive thing that we think that just because, again, it's our voices, that we, you know, if we didn't take that time to understand where they came from, we really don't understand ourselves, right? Um, and then back to your time thing, there's a, a phenomenon known as cogn cognitive dissonance, right? Which is where you have competing ideas in your head. And so you may think that you are, um, you know, you may identify as a very hardworking individual, but you maybe are actually are not right and so instead of realizing that there's a disconnect between your identity and your actions you just kind of ignore it because the cognitive dissonance is really exhausting for us mm -hmm. and compound that you know the inclination for us to not be mentally uncomfortable with all of the distractions around us right if i want a dopamine hit i'm just going to pick up my phone and look at instagram right i'm not going to take the five minutes to understand why i'm uncomfortable i'm going to distract myself and I think that just compounds over time. Anything that we do over time, whether it's good or bad, you kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Anything we do over time is going to compound. So if we continually do not so great things over time, we're going to get not so great results. If we continue to do development things over time, we will develop over time. Mm. Yeah. And like, this is the thing, as you say, if we do development things over time, like to, for moving from, to being all right to good to above average to excellent it doesn't take that much effort mm. just sustained it yeah. literally just like maybe an hour a day like there are people who say 30 minutes a day but like if you could think about like an hour a day mm. and and you spend it on yourself it doesn't have to be a consecutive hour but if you journal 20 minutes in the morning and you you know read a development article in the you know the evening if you do that day after day, if you're increasing by 1% of knowledge day after day in yourself, it's it exponentially grows over time. It's really, really, really fascinating. Yeah. One of the things I often say is to be 2% better each and every day. Yeah. Because you don't, you can't always hit that 2%. You might hit 1%. You might hit. Yeah. But if you kind of look at yourself like 100 days down the road, you've you've considerably improved you know yeah i think another 
also another thing what also I think ties into a lot of people's problem uh, in this day and age because okay I I don't like you you're a youngish chap so like <laughs> I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> uh, like this is the thing you may remember the sort of the tail end days of net like not Netflix but blockbusters blockbusters yeah. right okay yep. if you wanted to watch the latest film you had to uh, and I've been in America I know <laughs> it's like on Friday night when all those films come out you have to get up get out of your house depending which part of America you're in it might be cold wet miserable in, if it's winter in the summertime yep. Baking hot, like yeah, you're like you're gonna cook by the time you get <laughs> the car to the like to the actual store. But you had to take a huge chunk of time to get up, get out, go to a blockbuster. Then <laughs> you get to the section where you'll see like the twenty, like where the twenty videos of the latest blockbusters meant to come out. Yeah, and, and all you'll see is just uh, placard. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like then you have to spend an extra half an hour 40 minutes looking for your alternative choice and then you got <laughs> this random thing and another random thing then you got to go all the way back home watch yep. it and like return it back in a three like three like two or three days and like yeah and that was a regular occurrence now you had to plan that yeah you had to plan it out it was like a yeah. Go pick up the pizza, return the movies, pick up new movies. Like <laughs> you had steps. You had like it wasn't instant gratification. Yeah. Us today, right now, I can pick up my phone. You can pick up your phone and go, yeah, Netflix, thank you very much. Yeah. And away. And I think people are so used to that instant gratification like mindset at this present time that yeah. I like they got. I want to be rich. I want to be fitter. I want to be smarter. And but they don't sort of like. Oh yeah, you. It's going to take time. Are you like? Can you commit to like? Can you commit to a hundred days? Like to this? I said, um, no, because like a hundred days in my mind is when you start to see real results. Or mm-hmm. anything it's like you can do a lot in 100 days look damn um like frig you can do a lot in 20 hours you can get qualified in like many uh like different things which can increase your income like that yeah but 100 days commitment just like showing up 100 times do it do it do it do it you might not be like where you want to truly be you might have to give it another 100 days uh you might have to give it another 100 days and if it's not working, then you might need to like go, hey, I need help. Can yeah. you help me? Which I don't think a lot of people do, you know? No. And 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 back to your thing about the the time. So yes, it takes time to build a habit, to build success, you know, to to write a behavior or even retrain your inner voice. But the thing about time is it's gonna pass regardless. Yes. Right. So what it actually takes is effort and intention. And I think that's what some people and, and I myself have lacked this and I'm still working on it in a lot of areas is the intention. If you don't have the focused intent. And again, this goes back to aligning with your goals, aligning with, you know, what is true to your identity. 
then you're going, the time is going to pass regardless and you're not going to see any change or development. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like those hundred days, unless you're unfortunate enough to get hit by a bus is going to pass. So are you spending a hundred days looking at more Instagram or Netflix, you know, reading more salacious news stories, or are you filling in some of that time with the development stuff? And so for me, that was journaling. That was my biggest um, breakthrough in my mid thirties was I started, I made a commitment to journal one page every morning. So I didn't even set a time limit to it. I just said, you know, and not even a full page, like uh, my journals, this size are here. I have it right next to me. Um, but I would write one page every morning and it could be about anything. I could just I could write about the color of the desk for all I care. But my commitment was to get the words on paper. And what I found happening is now I can't go a day without journaling. Like it's, it's almost a reflex and where I have an idea about something or I have an anxiety about something. Or I was like, you know what? Instead of focusing on this goal of finishing my book, what if I start a podcast? And then I get to journal about it. And I was like, I would love to start a podcast someday. But right now my focus and my intention needs to be on this book, right? Um, because I have a purpose for it. And, I, and it's aligned with something that I want to do. And so that's one of those things where it's like taking that little bit of time every day, you soon build that muscle. And then it almost is no effort to begin with. Um, and so that's the thing about time. Like is developing over time is you just put the intent into it. Intent, mm. like yeah, because wow, like no, oh, that's very good. Oh, I, well done. <laughs> that, well, it's, it's like one of those. It's like one of those things where it's like if you're going back to school when you're older, right? And you're like, man, by the time I graduate, I'm going to be 45 years old. Mm. And it's like, well, how old are you going to be in four years if you don't graduate? You're going to be 45 years old, so it doesn't matter. You know, like, we get stuck on these ideas where it's like the time is going to pass. It's what you choose to do with that time that matters. Yeah. And like, this is the thing I, I, with regards to how people spend their time, like the most valuable commodity we all have. It, yeah. Yeah. Never get it back again. But like, yeah, I think sometimes it's the cruise control element of life is one of those painful things. And like, yeah, um, I like, I see it as a painful thing because it's, easy like i kind of look it back at sort of moments where it's like okay right <laughs> how much time did i waste in this look don't get me wrong like when like when i was watching like yeah dragon ball z uh yeah basically the cell saga how much freaking time was that <laughs> like, right right yeah <laughs> of episodes just like yeah like 10 episodes of him just charging up and like, okay. And like, you go, right. If you did something constructive then, or if you did something constructive that, like, I know, but it's one of those things. Yeah. That I, like I look back at it. Uh, do I look back at it with regret? It's like, no, it's a case of take the lesson from that time. Exactly. And keep me in the present and then look to the future because yeah, if I'd sort of dwell on it and believe you me, I've done, a hell of a lot of dwelling my sort of past where like on things yeah which once you get into that cycle it just keeps on going keeps on going keeps on going and it takes a lot to pull you out of it now well it takes yep. a lot but when you do you like oh, okay now i can breathe again uh you know <laughs> and that and that's where i think the value of, of of coming to understand that your inner voice that dwelling that spinning is your brain um, processing a lot of different things, right? Our brain processes trillions of computations a second. It's, it's insane. There's no computer even close to it, right? We're orders of magnitude above it. And um, it's almost like every neuron is a little mini computer running in tandem, right? So it's amazing power. 
our consciousness is a very small part of that. Um, and I, there's a lot of theories about what consciousness could be, but one of the ones that I love is it's our brain's ability to reflect on its past behavior, right? Um, and so when we're experiencing this, you know, we might be experiencing shame because it's like, man, I wasted all that time. Um, shame is not a, a beneficial emotion, but it is a byproduct of, of thinking, right? Um, and so one of the great things about learning how your inner voice operates, whether it's operating on shame or scarcity or fear, or maybe you're really vain and like, you're just a little bit too exuberant, like understanding that exactly. Like, oh, nobody can touch this. Huh. Understanding that can help you avoid those pitfalls, right? Can help you avoid those spin cycles. And and there are techniques and tactics out there, but you know, you can count backwards, you can interrupt your thought processes. But until you understand what scripts your brain are running, I don't think you can effectively interrupt those cycles. And I think we'll waste a lot of time kind of spinning out on these things that aren't serving us anymore, right? Like you said, take the lesson. That is one of the best things about life is that we can reflect back on our time and be like, Oh, well, I probably could have spent that a little more productively, but I did learn this and I know I won't do that again. Mm. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. No, very, like, very valid points. But like, this is the thing I, I have to ask, look, because you journal, I, what turned you truly on to like, how did you start to discover that was the thing which was like, oh, yeah, that's the on switch for this new path in your life? Very similar to this. So I was um, listening to an audiobook by her name is Tara Schuster, and she wrote a book called "By Yourself the Fucking Lilies," which was her kind of a memoir. It was an amazing book. It's hilarious. Highly recommend. Um, but she went through this. You know, she had a really hard time in her life, and she kind of went broke down her mental processes of like why was she being so damn hard on herself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was, you know, she would see these flowers in the grocery store, and she'd be like, "Well, they're like seven bucks. I don't deserve them, though." And then she's like, "It's just." buy yourself the fucking lilies, right? Like if you, if it brings joy to your day, do it. Um, and one of her things was journaling and, and being curious about her own thoughts. And I thought, you know, this was the middle of the pandemic. Well, kind of the beginning of the pandemic. I was going through a really hard time at Apple and I just set pen to paper and just started asking myself like, why, you know, this feeling of inadequacy, why do you feel so inadequate? You're working at, you know, the biggest company in the world. You're doing some really cool shit. Like you're good at your job. Like, why on earth would you go to bed feeling less than? And that started me on a journey that was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, I'm not always thinking my own thoughts, right? You're, yeah. 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 Because, like, yeah, when you say Apple, like, yeah, especially when you're in the realms of Cupertino, like, yeah, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you, like, you are in the top three biggest companies in the world, one of the top three biggest companies in the world. Like, yeah. So would you say it was a case of, okay, not to like just in that sort of moment in your life, there was like not enough fulfillment, or it was a case of you were living some like some form of life everyone expected you to live, but not what you wanted to live? Yes, yes. And I did not, I there was unresolved issues and traumas from life right so just because like i said back going back to the scarcity conversation we had you know just because i was no longer living paycheck to paycheck and just because i was you know no longer my brain hadn't made that switch fully either um and so one of the biggest things was i was definitely 
I was definitely trying to check off wickets in life, right? Get a high power job, do what you're supposed to do, make money, you know, live this Instagram worthy life. And it just didn't align to my, my true core values. Um, and so that was probably a big one. Um, and then just the allowing yourself, you know, when you don't know yourself, you don't know your boundaries. And so I let myself be taken over by work, uh, for years. Um, and I think that led to the burnout, which led to, you know, once you burn out so bad in one area, it kind of crumbles around you. Um, so relationships suffer, you know, your dreams and motivation suffer and you really question your self-worth. And that's where I finally recognized that there was a problem and it was, it was a little too late for me. Like in that job, I ended up having to leave, but that was the the system. Yeah. No, when you say burnout, people like people, I don't think people actually understand what that truly means. Because yeah. I don't, you get people like, Oh man, Oh, I'm so burnt out. And it's like going, no, no, you're, you're tired. You think you are. You're tired. Yeah, you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> you need a rest. Yeah, but you're not burnt out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to describe it to people in a sort of like most sort of like, yeah, this is like, I know it's subjective most really to yourself, but yeah, just to give people an idea, you know? If you've ever heard the phrase, just bone tired, where it's, 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 it's not a, oh man, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Or if I just take this nap or give me three Red Bulls, it, it's your energy is so depleted that there is no restoration in, in normal processes. Right. And what that ends up doing is it takes away the forward thinking. It takes away your problem solving skills and it makes every threat every anxiety seemed insurmountable and that was burnout for me it was one of those things where it was just like all of a sudden i was up against a brick wall and there was no way around up over or through it was just like oh here we are <laughs> like i've dug myself into this hole <laughs> yeah. because it's one of those things where people it it's weird because it's like it sneaks up on you you yeah you know it's like going through your day today and like you know what i mean one day it's just like <laughs> yeah yeah how the you're hell like i've you're like i've done this a thousand times and now i can't even i don't even know how to write this email right it was almost it was that like big of a cognitive break where it was just like oh my gosh like where like can i do this and people are like of course you can do this you just got you know a promotion like everybody believes in you and all this stuff yeah. and you're like yeah but i don't believe in myself i don't believe where like how do i even get where i am you know yeah like uh to to take a line from <laughs> like from an apple presentation like courage finding the courage to like sort of leave apple to like basically do what you're doing now like yeah how did you like you know what i mean like there, you mentioned like yeah you left but like was yeah. there one sort of like <laughs> was it a case of like I'm, I'm so burnt out i i need to go or like was there a time when you left and then it was like coaching is calling for you? So more to the second one for the coaching part, the, the leaving part though, uh, this is where I became a true believer in under, in listening to yourself and the power of silence. Right. Um, so it was Christmas of 21 
And I had gone home um, to rural Michigan, saw my grandma, my grandmother, got back to DC and it was like the December 27th. And I was just doing laundry, you know, just quiet in my house. And I, 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 was, I was loading, I remember clear as day, I was loading the, the laundry and I realized I need more of this. I need more quiet. I need more. Um, I wasn't thinking about work. You know, I had another couple of days off. Um, and it was in that moment, I decided that the first meeting of the new year of 2022 was going to be with my boss to put in my, my resignation. Um, and it was just in that silence. It was in that moment of listening to myself saying, I can't, I can't go back and do this. Like something has to change. The scary part was I didn't know what that something was and that came later. So I didn't realize, you know, that there was a misalignment between my energies and my goals. You know, I really like connecting with people. I really like helping people bring out the best in themselves. And I wasn't doing that at Apple. Um, and beyond that, they were taking more than I could give. And so that I discovered later. Um, but the moment to leave was just in that wonderful silence of the everyday where I was like, I know, I don't know the way ahead, but I know it's not that direction. So mm. I'm going to go ahead and take a right turn and see where it goes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, this is the thing. One of the things which I do kind of find a little bit fascinating and a little bit surprising because you go, okay, yeah, goodbye, Apple, everything like this. Now, going into the realms of entrepreneurship. Mm. Now, okay, now, there's there's things you could do which are a little bit less stressful. like having that sort of unity and support why like why the high stressed world of entrepreneurship which is which has been known to be just so that is that is the best read that i've had in a while it is lonely and that is one thing that they didn't that i wasn't prepared for um when i jumped into this but the part that I was that drew me to it and that I will keep hammering it out is you want to talk about a path to discovery and self-discovery, throw yourself into the unknown, right? Working a nine to five or just working any, you know, structured job or working something where somebody else is giving you the defined metrics that you need to hit mm. is a lot easier than understanding what metrics you're willing to go for on your own, right? So I am trying to build, you know, I wanted to write this book and thankfully I had a great support network in that, but I still had to write the book. Right. And there were times where I, you know, people were like, let's go to brunch on a Saturday. And I had to be like, oh, I now I need to stay home and write, you know, in this lonely world. Um, and that's just so illuminating. So I think anybody who's questioning their ability, it, like, you know, oh, I, I can't be an entrepreneur for whatever reasons or that until you get out there and try to do that self-discovery, like it's, you're not going to know. There's no way that you can mentally prepare for it. I think you just get into the trenches and <laughs> figure it out. Uh, in the trenches with a trusty bayonet at your side. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> stabby, stabby, let's go. Yeah, no, because like this is the other thing and you kind of touched on it like slightly there where, yeah, you need to get your book done with in that sort of world of being a business owner like being an entrepreneur it's like when you're working your nine to five okay look you you have responsibilities and the buck does kind of stop with you to a certain extent and like yeah if you yeah. Like slack off yeah you can get fired but 
like at the end of the month, I don't know how, like it's either two weeks in America or at the end of the month. Yeah. You get a paycheck. You yeah. get that money in your bank. You, I know that is going to happen, especially on like if it's a big company, which is like, you know what I mean? Been doing a like outstanding job. You know, you are safe and secure. Yeah. In the realm of entrepreneurship, business owner yeah you might you might work all the hours god sends and then so but there is kind of no sort of set guarantee like yeah it's like you might get paid at the end of the month you might not get paid at all and you might get a bumper paycheck until it's sort of stable yes <laughs> and even and even when it's stable it's not stable right it's one of those things where it's like you're gonna have lean years and economic factors that you did not predict and 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 when you're out there as an entrepreneur it, it can be very lonely mm. there are great communities and this is something that i've really plugged into in in my year um there are great community of people doing this right so there, it's a it's the internet's a wonderful thing for this connecting with you and connecting with other people who can talk about this kind of stuff is so importantly it's so vital, right? So if anybody is out there trying to go it alone, just know that that is not the best way. Go find your tribe, find people who are building their businesses, find people who have gone before you. I have a great friend who I was in the Navy with. She runs a nutrition coaching business where she you know, talks to people about how nutrition affects your mental health. She's been doing it for years longer than I have. And in five conversations with her, I learned more than in five months of me doing it on my own, right? So find, you can find that community even if you're not at a company. The other thing that I've heard, and I was just listening to one of your previous guests, um, one of the musicians talking about her entrepreneurship journey where she like worked her way out of her day job. That's a great way to do it, right? It just takes, make sure you're setting those intentions because you can get distracted in your day job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're doing the night, and you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs call it the night and weekend route. If you're working a day job, make sure you're committing, you know, and you understand the cost of the time and the effort it's going to take, but you can do that through night and weekends and you can forego some of this uncertainty, um, which is a a lot of the hardest part. Um, And so that's something I've been exploring myself is there are jobs that I wouldn't mind getting back into developing some professional skills, you know, but this coaching, you know, and and I'm getting more and more around to, you know, giving services to people who have come up through the pipeline, like I have, whether it's through veteran services or people coming out of poverty um, I want to continue to build that no matter what I do. Right. So if I, you know, to pay my mortgage, I work a day job. That's great. Mm. Entrepreneurship is more than about the money. Right. It's about that, that goal value alignment. And that is something that I found. And now I, I don't want to let that go. Even if I have to work a day job. Uh, uh, yes. No, like this is the thing. I, I, like starting off entrepreneurs, like, yes, it, like it is a uh, hour, eight-hour week and yeah uh to get things going especially if they're doing it yes working the nine to five and then doing like the thing to get them through because like don't get me wrong like there are people which are like yeah you know what i'm gonna just quit my job i'm gonna go right you're like and away i go and you're like uh and you you kind of like go okay where are Good luck. <laughs> is that going like yeah look if it's if you're in if you're in that sort of early 20s like sort of like this like yeah ramen noodles and living out of your car you go for it no problem yep. 
if you're in your 30s and like you're starting a family or like or in your 40s you're starting a family and stuff like this yeah i don't think we're gonna work <laughs> it's like it's, yeah and it goes back to honing your efforts, right? Like if you if, if you can see value in your day job and you can pick up skills that are going to help you in your entrepreneurial journey, there's no reason you shouldn't be like getting the best of both worlds, right? If you're doing something that's completely draining and toxic, then maybe try to find a role that would allow you to build your entrepreneurship on the side. But I think sometimes we fantasize and as somebody who quit his job and then lived off of savings for a year... Um, it's very stressful, right? And there are a lot of sleepless nights and it doesn't bode well for your mental health in a lot of ways. Um, but when you blow things up, I think sometimes we romanticize that as the way to go where small systematic changes over time is the formula for success. I think that is if we can just drill one thing home. So whether it's journaling one page a day for a year, whether it's doing, you know, an online course where you learn about if you want to break into anything, marketing, just do 30 minutes a day for a year, you would be amazed at what you can do after six months, after three months. Like it, the systematic small changes that make a difference in our life. And so while it's romantic to be like, oh, he blew everything up and started this amazing company. He's a unicorn. <laughs> it's not, that's not where the true value is generated. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Absolutely. You remember, you got to, how do you build a house? A break at a time. You know, that's, oh yeah, that's what you point at. <laughs> I got, blow it up. And I think you, I think you learn so much more too, when you can take the small bits of information, right? So I did this today. I laid this brick and it was a little bit sideways. Well, why was that sideways? Why didn't that fit? What do I need to change tomorrow? When you can do that repeatedly, that's when you're unstoppable. Nothing can stop you. No setback, no financial difficulties. Like those little moments where you can take to learn, take advantage of those. What would you say has been one of sort of like the biggest lessons you've learned in the last two years? Biggest lessons I've learned in the last two years. It really is to listen to yourself. Like listen. So our bodies are phenomenal right it's a an intricate system of sensors and feedback loops and we're aware of maybe one percent of it but if you listen to it you will find so much information on what is beneficial what is not beneficial like and you can then cut through the bullshit right so when somebody tells you to do if they're like oh you absolutely should just go work in finance because you'll make a ton of money, even though you'll be miserable. It'll pay off by the time you're 50. Like listening to your body can tell you that's not the route I'm going to take. Like I'm going to take a different route. So I think that's been the biggest value I've gotten. Yeah. Outstanding. Listening to yourself because it's one of those things <laughs> where, no, because like 2021, like going from, yeah, working in, one of the biggest companies in the world to like, I see you later, then to like go, okay, I'm gonna start coaching, I'm gonna start doing this. It's like, yeah, it is like, it's, I would say it's a little bit more of an extreme shift from you going from the military, hyper structured, to like, say, yeah, to a company which is still structured to something now where, you're out there by yourself, no structure, yeah. no sort of direction, uh, like which 
a lot of people who've like served that is one of like you like what do you mean i i had nothing to like sort of like go these are the rails and this is how yeah. go. You know? no bumpers yeah yeah um so if you think about it like a scientist and or you come at yeah from like a science like a scientist would think about a hypothesis right i when i joined the military i mm. thought man if i just have stability then i will be happy right and and I'm going to use the word happiness, even though I've since moved away from that in life, but let's just say I'm going to be happy. And then I got that. I attained that. Right. And I was like, okay, it's very stable. Um, why am I not happy? Like something's missing. And so it was like, okay, well maybe then if I get my degree and go to a company, then I'll be happy. Right. And I, not only did I go to a company, I went to the company, I went to Apple and I made the money and I got to sit in the big rooms and I got to do the cool shit. And I still, wasn't happy, right? And so you're like, okay, what, what is, that doesn't make sense. So my hypothesis was stability would make me happy. I got that, that didn't make me happy. Money will make me happy. Well, I got that, that didn't make me happy. Well, now I have an X, I don't know what it is. The variable is unknown um, and maybe I'm solving for the wrong thing. And so then you learn about fulfillment and you learn about aligning your goals and your values. And so now I'm like, okay, X equals fulfillment, solve for X. And that's what I spent the past year and a half doing is solving for X. And I'm finding that it is listening to your, listening to yourself and understanding what does bring you that fulfillment. Understanding that happiness is a feeling, just like motivation is a feeling. Feelings are going to come and go. So you can't always rely on feelings, like use them as indicators, but you can't, you know, you have to act whether you feel like it or not and move forward in those small steps. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the way I've approached it, right? So it's been a jarring transition, but the way to think about it is like, well, I tried to do that. I thought that would work. It didn't thought that would work it didn't <laughs> let's try this mm. and it's an it's a discovery right it's curious curious discovery yeah no and like this is the thing i think if you're not constantly trying to discover who you are where you're you don't actually understand where you're going to be possibly going uh yep. until like well until let's just say until it might be too late <laughs> Yes. And that, well, and too late or just, you realize, wow, how much effort was wasted, <laughs> right? Like if I had just channeled, if I took that time in my thirties, if I took that time in my twenties, which is now gone, you know, if I took my time in my thirties, which is rapidly coming to an end, you know, how would my forties and fifties and sixties be different? Right. And so I don't think it's ever too late to start, but I don't think it's ever a better time to start than now. Right. Like, get if you can get on it even in small changes just make such a drastic difference mm, absolutely absolutely and, and you realize i was gonna say the other thing is you know we've talked about exercise we've talked about work we've talked about that you know some people want big bank accounts they want six-pack abs and they focus on those as like the they focus on the results instead of the process where it's like i have no doubt that once i align my goals and energy to my values and what brings me fulfillment i'm going to have a big bank account i'm going you know like just like if I go to the gym every day to stay healthy, so my body doesn't break down, I'm going to have a toned body, right? That, like I'm not striving for the toned body, but it's going to be a byproduct of my efforts. And so I think once we stop focusing on results as much as process, we have a better chance. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I agree. But like, I would simply say this. I think people, too many people, especially it, like, I I keep on saying in this age because in this age we living of like look if you went like chase if you went back fifty years it'll be an age of magical yeah. wonders and everything like this 
so many people <laughs> are, have tied their lives into what success means. This is success. Mm. And if you look at anyone's Instagram like posts looking at the highlight reels of their life and they go yeah it's big cars it's money it's traveling holidays everything like this in exotic places but yep that's not necessarily what success truly could mean for that person if they haven't actually taken that time to like look within themselves like when they start to do that they can find that sort of realm of purpose and then like yeah, yeah success all of a sudden like opens up to them in a way they can ne never imagine like yes it might result in a byproduct of money coming into their lives it might be a byproduct right. of them getting up each and every single day and like going looking out and go look at our family and go i this brings me joy in each and every single day. But the definition of success is a unique thing to each and everyone. And I think people just get too caught up with the BS, the bullshit, like promotion of success hyped up uh, in this 21st century world we live in, uh, where they need to like, yeah, get real with themselves. Well, and I think, that brings up so many thoughts. One of them being, you know, we can't forget that what we see online is a snapshot and usually a very heavily, heavily edited snapshot of somebody's life. Um, and I get caught up in it all the time. I'm like, why, why am I not in an underwater restaurant in the Maldives right now? Like, why am I writing this stupid chapter of a book? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think remembering that helps to be like, oh yeah, this is a very edited thing. But the definition of success that we need to work out for ourselves. I think you're correct. It's a very personal thing. For me, it's coming around to the formula of, will I have peace regardless of the external situations? So if success to me, if it was, if it meant, oh, I need a million dollars in my bank account at all times, as soon as I hit 900,000, I no longer have peace, right? Because I'm not at my, I'm not at my success. Whereas if I have peace in what I'm doing and it goes up and it goes down and my bank account is over here doing this, then like, you know, my job title goes up and down. As long as I can maintain that peace, I think that's success, right? Um, and I think when you redefine what that means to you, you can get a better baseline and you're way, way more prepared for the future. Because the only thing that's guaranteed is struggle. <laughs> like you can have all the money in the world and be a hot mess, right? Like you can have no money in the world and be the most fulfilled person in the world. So that money is clearly not the answer. Find your peace, find what that means to you. Mm. Yes, like we, like this is a thing, like struggle is part of the human condition and without a little bit of struggle and effort, I think struggle, which, which puts a little bit of sweat on your brow physically. Oh yeah is needed in our lives on a regular basis like people like oh no come no comfort is like comfort is no it's it, it's great oh god oh god i love it but <laughs> it's... It, it does dull your senses though and like and and it's going to change you and the other thing that i think about too Mario, is like when we redefine things so we're told we're told everything right we're told what success looks like we're told what um you know, that life is supposed to be about struggle and not joy because, you know, joy is lazy and, and all this stuff. When we 
we have the power to rethink these things. And so one of the biggest breakthroughs that I wish I would have remembered earlier when you asked me what I learned in the past few years, life is meant to be joyous, right? It's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be, you know, straightforward, but it is meant to be joyous. Like we, joy is different than happiness. You know, you can find joy in the struggle. You can find joy in the calm times. It's like your peace. And so when we start rethinking all these little things that we've been taught, I think it just gets us way more creative. That's how somebody, you know, painting paintings on the boardwalk can feel way more content than a Wall Street, you know, executive hustling deals and making millions of dollars. I think it's redefining what that is in our lives, but that takes effort and yeah. intention. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like what you said earlier, happiness is an emotion. Okay. Like yep. joy, true joy is a mindset. And when yep. you have that, Ooh, you like you know what I mean you can be unstoppable unstoppable <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah I have yeah. I have to ask now why a book why did you decide <laughs> to do that come on now so this is a bucket list item if you ever I don't know what you dreamed of as a kid I love the idea of one day I thought it would or a fiction novel I thought I would write some great fiction story um but you come to find out you know life is better than art sometimes <laughs> um and so the fact that people were enthusiastic about it um I shared the idea with some friends beforehand and they loved the idea so I took the opportunity I was like this is I'm going to write a book <laughs> so yeah like this is the thing okay Writing a book, mm, many persons Everest. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. How long did it take you to come up with the concept and basically from concept to execution? You might not believe this, about three weeks. Oh. So I, <laughs> so it was one of those things where I think when you're listening and you're open to opportunities that you'll find out there's a lot more going on in the world than you're, than you're used to seeing. And this one was a conversation I had um, with an old professor of mine and he kind of met, casually mentioned it. And I was like, Oh yeah. And he's like, well, what would you write a book about? And I was like, I think I would write a book about the things that are going on inside our heads. Right. It was just a throwaway comment. And he was like, you should write that book. And I was like, shut up. I was like, I'm not going to write that book. And he was like, you should write that book. And I was like, ha ha ha. And then literally I sat on it. My brain percolated for three or four days and my inner tutor came out and said, you should absolutely write about what this other son of a bitch is saying in your head and let the people know that's a lie. Like, and that's how it came about. And Anxiously Fearless was probably 24 hours later. I was like, oh, that's, that's life. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, good God. Yeah. Oh, you were like, okay, I've done a book. Like, when you went back to that professor and said you've done the book, what was it? What was their reaction? So what was funny is I, I asked him, I said, can I actually write a book? Were you just joking? And he was like, no, I'm not joking. I was like, you're sure that I, Joe Vandegar, can write a book? And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> I was like, let's do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. He just laughed. He was like, yeah. He's like, and his thing was, he has this wonderful ability. His name is Eric Coster. He has this wonderful ability to bring out what you already know yourself. And he was like, you've probably been writing this book in your head for years, unknowingly, 
but you've been thinking about it. You've been, you know, curious about it. He's like, now we'll just put it on paper and we'll give you the resources and the editors and everything you need to get it out. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I, I will tell you every step of the journey, I just started a revision. So I have the manuscript turned in. The first draft is mostly done. And I have an editor now and she's come back to me and she's like, you know, it looks really good. Um, this is what we're going to work on. You're a, little, you're, you're a little wordy here. You got your transitions are really rough. And I remember being like, I can't do this. You're out of your mind. I can't. Like I wrote it, of course, the first time, but like, I can't rewrite it. Like, and she's like, yes, you can calm down. <laughs> like, we're going to do it week by week, bit by bit. Um, and so that's anxiously fearless in a nutshell is like, I can't do that. And it's like, well, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Exactly. And somebody told me, they taught me, it's like, just put the, the word yet on the end of every sentence. It's like, well, I can't revise that yet. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's <laughs> fine. I will. I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> uh, 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 now, was it like was like the whole process what you expected it to be, or what mm -hmm. more interesting foibles came out of the woodworks while you doing? Um, so, interestingly enough, we know more about what we know than we think we do. That was number one for me. It was like, oh wow, I guess I have spent a lot of time like formulating this. Um, two, you don't write a book on starting with page one you write a book starting with what you're comfortable writing about and so for the first six weeks i think i wrote just kind of like maybe a thousand words here on one topic a thousand words on another topic and i had no idea where they were going to go in the book um and with the help of the, the editors and stuff like that we pieced together a great narrative um, identified some gaps identified some extra stuff that doesn't need to be in there and so what was most surprising was that it's not a linear process, right? I think we have this idea in life that, well, you start on square one and you end on square 100. And it's like, well, sometimes you start on square 50 and you then figure out what's on square 25. And then, you know, you'll move up the ladder eventually. But yeah, writing a book is not linear. It was very chaotic. <laughs> very chaotic. No, no, put it this way. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't turned you gray, so that's a good thing. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. Oh my gosh, the other thing that happened, you were just reminding me was writing. I was I wrote uh, an entire essay that I was gonna include in the book. And it came to be completely false. I was full of shit. <laughs> I was like, this thing I believed about the way that we like process some emotions, I thought I was hundred percent correct on. And then I like did the research on it and I was like, you're full of shit. You can't put that in there. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you got to delete that. It's like, wait, where did I get this information from? Mm. <laughs> exactly. You're like, who? You're like, wait, who told me this? And then I was like, oh my God. And that's, if that's not an example of like getting to know your own knowledge and getting to know where your ideas came from, that is, uh, it's so important because sometimes you just don't know. <laughs> like, absolutely. absolutely. My God, just like, Oh no! Like, <laughs> no, Joe, you don't, you don't, you know, bullshit. Well, put it, put it away, Joe. And then you, you want to fight it. You want to fight it because you're like, I just spent two hours writing this. Like I edited it. It looks great. And then you're gonna tell me it's wrong. I'm like, it can't be that wrong. And then you're like, oh no, it's completely wrong. Like, <laughs> you know what? All I'm picturing now is you having a this like discussion like Gollum in Lord. <laughs> Not my precious look the essay is good no the essay is you're like no <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I took ages to write. <laughs> you're like, it has to be. Yeah. And then you completely scrap it. And then you're like, oh, there was another one. I included a quote. Somebody had told me, like, you look up a line. And this is for anybody who's listening. If you're ever going to quote something off the internet, oh no, try to figure out where in the hell it came from. Because I wrote a quote that was supposedly by Confucius. And then I ended up, I was like, you know what? I'm going to find out where he actually wrote this, right? Confucius must have written it down if if he said it. And literally after like 15 minutes of searching, it was written by like some comedian in the 1800s. And like, they just attribute it to Confucius. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, this, I will not be including this quote. <laughs> like, this is the thing. That's the problem with quotes, right? Like not unless if you get that quote, you know that quotes come from a particular documentary or a book, or like some like yeah, ancient manuscript which has that person's name on it. Yeah, you don't. No, it's yeah. So oh. And what's funny is like this this quote by Confucius. It's like Forbes has quoted it. Like the big news art, like it was on news websites that was like by Confucius. And I was like, mm, it's not. Yeah. I hate to tell y'all, <laughs> I can tell you what book it came from, and it wasn't Confucius. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I am guilty of putting those quotes out there myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, that, that sparks the right emotional feeling for me right now. <laughs> In a way. It's like, I don't, don't I seem smart to you? And meanwhile, there's some person like looking at me like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a basic No. Bit. Leave it be. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And then that's the other thing, intellectual humility, intellectual humility, right? Like if you can step back and laugh at yourself and be like, oh yeah, I've taken that shortcut or, oh yeah, that was, I've done that. Like grow from it. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just Absolutely. grow from it. <laughs> like I'd never be so arrogant to feel or think that, yes, you know it all. If you do, huh, you are in for a fool. <laughs> and you're just going to be so hard on yourself. And then when you're hard on yourself, this is the other thing that I didn't get to mention is like self-discovery, self-development, self-awareness isn't just about yourself. It makes you a better human. It makes you a better employee. It makes you a better manager. It makes you a better friend, a better lover. Because once you start realizing these traps in your own thinking, you then see the humanity in others. And you start seeing when somebody reacts a certain way, they're not reacting because they hate you or they think that you insulted them. They're reacting to their own internal triggers, right? And their own internal thing. And I think that's so powerful is to move into that better realm of just seeing the humanity in other people by acknowledging it in yourself, right? Like, I know that sounds really foo-foo and, and stuff, but it's true. It calms you down so much. <laughs> like, yeah. it just mellows you out. Absolutely. But that's what critical thinking is, is, you know what I mean? Being able to take your perspective, but other people's perspectives and be able to mash that up. And then, yeah, you might somewhat like your essay, you might go, oh, what I'm coming from is a whole heap of crap. But <laughs> element from here, yeah. now if I marry up with that person's thing and that they've got bits of crap there, a new thing comes out of that sort of critical thinking. Sometimes, like yeah. sometimes, a better thing which should help elevate us all, or sometimes something dark and twisted which should be locked away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, either way, like yeah, <laughs> critical. Let's let's keep on the positive. Me one, no, no, <laughs> like no, yeah, exactly. But yeah. yeah. And I was about to say through critical thinking, when it's applied in a positive manner, 
it's mm -hmm. the tide what raises all ships rather than being like yes the sort of sand which can bring like basically drowns us all you know that's why yeah yeah and i think when we take our instead of taking our hurt and our our insecurities and projecting them on other people we take our understanding and we take our those critical thinking skills and let's project that on other people right let's be like oh I believe most people are good and I believe most people are not out to get me. So I'm not going to react in a way that says otherwise, right? I'm going to react in a more understanding, curious, you know, let's be curious. Not, yeah. So it's, it's just flipping that switch. And sometimes it is a literal switch that you have to flip. There are days I wake up and I'm like, I feel completely defeated. I feel exhausted and there's no way I can accomplish. Even this morning, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to talk on this podcast for an hour and have anything interesting to say. I am leaving this exuberant and joyful and happy, but my, you know, I just didn't feel it. And sometimes recognizing that and pushing through, you get the best results of all, right? Is when you is when you recognize, but you still just take that step forward, whether you're anxious or not, mm -hmm. just take the step forward and try it and learn from it. Like <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm liking that. I'm liking that. And look, here you're saying, ah, oh, didn't think you'll speak for an hour. You speak for <laughs> like, yeah, a good healthy chunk of time, like, like well over an hour. So yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've been brilliant. I've been the host of the most. Oh, I mean, you've been brilliant. What am I talking about? <clears throat> yeah. Keep your ego and check me. Well. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, but this is, and, and I will say giving kudos for kudos to do, you create such a space that people can open up and they can bring this experience. Right. And they can have these honest conversations. And that's a wonderful thing to do. Like, this is the thing, like, look, with regards to these conversations, they help enrich me. They help keep me mm -hmm. like fresh, vibrant, and like, yes, open to learning new things in this world. And so this is why I'm grateful to all the people who've come on this podcast, grateful to like speaking to you today, because yeah, don't get me wrong. I could like be like sitting down with my, my, my missus and her friend, like watching Netflix at this moment in time, little baby girl just sleeping in the room. Just like, yeah, just like, yeah, going, yeah, mind on like cruise control, not really doing anything, but this with this medium, thankfully, it's around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Still, like, have the opportunity to grow, develop, and, yeah, see where my life takes me next. So, yeah, I have to say thank you uh, to, like, yeah, the likes of yourself, Joe, who's come on today and made it very easy, uh, a joy to talk to. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. I love the way the conversation went, and I hope that your listeners got something out of it. Yeah. So, like Joe, like yeah, before you go, now I have to I like this is my final thing. I have to reveal that I am a being of supreme cosmic power. Now oh, here we go. <laughs> I can grant you one wish before you say anything, Joe, with your military intelligence, working for Apple, coach, author, and yeah, just general all-round nice guy. I'm a bitch. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can't wish for eternal wishes. You can't wish for extra wishes. You can't write things down on a piece of paper and wish everything comes true on this piece of paper. Yeah. And yeah, you can't wish for COVID to go away. Look, I had to put uh. some <laughs> arts, which called on the power of Beyonce and Dolly Parton. And yeah. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> again, like, like, yeah, there's there's a number of souls which need to be paid. I'm like, like <laughs> I'm going to. What would be your one wish, Joe? What would it be? Oh, I will give the wish that with this podcast and keeping in the theme of it, that people take the moments that they need. They start to get curious about themselves. And if my book could be any help, check it out when it does come out in May. I'm going to go ahead and put that little plug in there. Uh, anxiously fearless should be out at the end of May. But the whole goal here is to get people curious about themselves and and to start learning to learn to get joy and peace in their life. Yeah. So that'll be my wish. Brilliant. Ah, Joe, thank you for coming on. Let the lovely people out there know how they can find you out on these interwebs. Yes, um, I am pretty active on LinkedIn um, at Joseph Vandekar, and my website is www.jvandekar, B-A-N-D-E-C-A-R.com. Perfect. I'll put all of this into the show notes, the description. So find Joe when his book comes out. Get his book. Yes. Go I on. appreciate it. All right. Joe, thank you for coming on today. You have been Cheers. A- Ah, brilliant. And I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us to the end of the show. Please stay well, stay safe, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Peace. Ah, and we are...